Early Childhood Development. Each week we talk about a different stage of children development and what children need. And now, here comes your host. Hello everybody and welcome. My name is Taryn and you are listening to The Parenting. Today's episode is part one of a three-part mini-series. <laughs> Look at me doing a series. Today's episode is titled Monkey See, Monkey Do. We will be talking about how children learn by what they see and what they hear. So let's have a quick history lesson. By now, you know that today's episode title is Monkey See, Monkey Do. The saying monkey see, monkey do originated in Jamaica in the early 18th century. The saying refers to mimicking something without understanding what is being mimicked or realizing the consequences of mimicking. The nature of a child is that they believe what they hear and they do what they see. There is a social learning theory by a man whose name was Albert Bandura and it's called observational learning. That explains why monkey see, monkey do is a real thing. Children observe and then imitate behaviors, attitudes and emotional reactions of others. The theory states that there are four stages of observational learning. The first stage is attention. What we don't realize about children is that they do pay attention. Even when it looks like they are not listening, when it looks like they do not see, they are so observant. The second stage is retention. What they observe, they retain. Especially in the first seven years of life, I call these the sponge years because children soak up absolutely everything that they are exposed to. So they observe behaviors, they observe attitudes, they observe emotional reactions, and they retain it. They then, which is the third stage of observational learning, is they reproduce, they produce what they've seen in their life situations. They reproduce the behaviors, the attitudes, or the emotional reactions that they've seen from others. And this is not only from adults that they observe, but also from peers and other children that they observe. The fourth stage of observational learning, according to Albert Bandura, is motivation. They find a reason to reproduce behavior, and more often than not, the reason is for attention. I am going to give some real-life examples of me witnessing observational learning where children reproduce behaviors or attitudes or reactions of others that they have observed. Before I do that, I have to make note and mention that the intention of this series is not to shame parents, but just to bring awareness that more often than not, children behave in a way that they have learned by observing others. And just to challenge you on how you react to your child's learned behaviors. Okay, so let's get into my story time. 
as I give you examples about some of my present and past students, friends, children, family members, list goes on. So I had a little girl in my class that is very, very strong-willed. She does not take to instruction very well. She is very stubborn. She has trouble transitioning from doing one activity to the other. So if she's enjoying the painting activity, it's very difficult to get her to put the paints away so that we can do the next thing. She is friends with a little boy in the class and he had noticed that all the attention is on the little girl because I was always trying to get her to do what needed to be done. He started exhibiting the exact same behaviors. So he stopped putting things away when it was time to put away. He started resisting when an instruction was given. He started rolling all over the floor the way she did when she didn't want to do something. He started throwing temper tantrums. So I had two children in class doing the same thing. We then had to contact the little girl's mom, not for the issues that we had with her not being able to transition, but there was another issue that we had and we had to remove her from school for a few weeks. With her being gone, the little boy's behavior changed completely He followed instructions. He was more interactive in class. He enjoyed playing with different friends because she wasn't there. He was just a brand new boy. When she came back to school a few weeks later, we started dealing with the same thing again because again, she was getting the attention. And at this young age, they don't know the difference between negative and positive attention. Attention is attention and he wanted what she was getting. So the cycle began again. That is story number one. Story number two and three, it's basically the same story but with a different example. This is proof that children believe what they hear. So I had a little girl in my class that absolutely hated coloring in so whenever we had activities where coloring in was part of it she would shut down completely and just not want to do it same with the little boy and puzzles what I started doing in both these classes is I would speak to my assistant in class as if it's just a conversation but I would speak loudly enough for the students to hear what I am saying so I'd call across the class and I'd tell my assistant Hey, did you see, let's just name her Amy. Hey, did you see Amy's coloring today? Oh my gosh, she is getting so good at coloring in. She is amazing. And I would do the same thing with the little boy. We'll call him Peter. And I hope I remember these names later. (laughs) I'd say to my assistant, Peter is getting so good at building puzzles. I don't know if you noticed, but like he's more confident and he's enjoying doing puzzles more. Both of these instances were not true in the moment, but it was me doing some reverse psychology. (laughs) So I would keep doing this and I'd say these words consistently in both cases. It took about a week in both cases. And then Amy would come to me and in her free time in in free play time uh, teacher can I please color in teacher can I please color in and I genuinely started seeing an improvement in her ability and her confidence to color in and the same with the little boy he would in his free time in his spare time ask me to sit with him while he builds a puzzle so while she was a little more confident to do it independently he did it 
beautifully and perfectly and put puzzles together with me sitting there and encouraging him with every piece that he put in. So they definitely believe about themselves what they hear. And that makes sense because they don't have a frame of reference to tell them to believe otherwise. So when a child hears that they are useless or a child hears that they are fat or a child hears that they are ugly, this is internalized and it then becomes their core beliefs about themselves. Anyway, let's go back to my little puzzle builder. Every time I sat with him and encouraged him and made a big deal of him finishing a puzzle, he started doing this little wiggle, the cutest thing ever. So he'd stand up all excited and he'll start wiggling his little butt and I started calling it the winning wiggle. He'd do something and I'd encourage him and I'd give him such great praise and support and he'd get up and he'd do a winning wiggle and so I'd go winning wiggle, winning wiggle and that became a thing in my class. Whenever anybody did something great and I'd be like oh my gosh well done and you are amazing and just give all these words of encouragement Literally every student in my class that year would get up and start doing a winning wiggle because they saw that there is attention coming from it and it became a thing, the cutest thing and I will never forget it but they saw it, they paid attention to it, they remembered it, they reproduced it and they found a reason they were motivated to do this winning wiggle and that right there is the four stages of observational learning in just one example. I had another student who could imitate me to a T. Every phrase I use, (laughs) my body language, my gestures, how I use my hands. And he was four years old at the time. My assistant was so entertained every time he did it. Every time he spoke to a student or tried to reprimand a student, he was me, 100% me. And it became the biggest joke. But he did what he observed, so I couldn't even be mad. Like, there was no way I could be mad at him because he literally was me in little boy form. I had a little girl in my class a few years ago, and she was tantrum prone. Any little thing that didn't go her way, she would throw a tantrum. And she was very aggressive, so she would get violent with the other students in my class. In the beginning, I didn't quite know how to handle her. She really was like no other student that I had dealt with before. And so every time she would hit a child or kick a child or pinch or bite or pull hair, whatever the behavior was, I would turn my attention to her and be like, please don't do that. That is not how we treat our friends. This is wrong. And try to find, like put her in a timeout corner or experimented with different disciplinary measures and it just didn't work. There was one time that she really hurt somebody in our class. Like the little girl that she hit was so distraught. In that moment, I could not reprimand. Let's another Amy. I think I'm going to stick to Amy and Peter for the rest of this so that I don't forget names. So we'll call her Amy too. So in that moment, I couldn't reprimand Amy because the other little girl was so distraught and needed comforting. So I went straight to the other little girl, completely ignored what Amy had just done, and I gave the other little girl all the love, all the attention, all the comfort, all the sorries and everything. But in this, I had my eye on Amy to make sure that she doesn't attack another student. But what was happening was, She was looking at me, straight at me, watching me calm the little girl that she hurt down. 
And I could see something in her eyes that was very, very different. So the next time she hurt somebody, I did the same thing. I went straight to the person that she hurt instead of going straight to her and started giving them love and affection and attention. I did this about three times and started seeing a change in Amy's behavior. Started seeing her being more gentle with her peers. And every time she was nice to somebody and every time she was gentle with someone, I could see the change in her behavior. So I would give her praise and I'd give her hugs and I'd give her loves. And by the end of that year, she was a completely different person. So she had observed her brother being tantrum prone and getting all the attention. And when she saw that it wasn't working in class, but she was getting different kind of attention, it changed her behavior completely. That was one of the first times I was like, oh my gosh, this observational learning thing is legit. There are so many more examples I can use. Literally, I can go on for probably about two hours, but... It's just important to note all of this that they observe us as adults and they observe everybody else around them too. I am pretty certain that I am not the only person that comes from a generation of parents who used to say that we have to do something because I said so or parents who tell you to do what they say and not do what they do. And those commands are so impossible because children do what they see. There's no way they can do what you are saying when you are doing something else because they learn by watching. I'd like to encourage parents to model the behaviors that they would like to see from their children, to put in place disciplinary measures so that they can see the behaviors that they want to see in their children. I want to remind you that what you do is seen and what you say is heard. Another thing that I want to mention in today's episode, but I'm going into detail in the next two episodes, is that between the ages of zero and three years old, kids have zero concept of knowing what is right and what is wrong and sometimes we have such great expectations from them but it is impossible for them to know that some behaviors are right and some behaviors are wrong all behavior all reactions all attitudes were learnt, and also it is the nature of a child to test boundaries because they are curious and they are exploring and it's not because they are disobedient or naughty especially before three years old at three is when they can start understanding that there is a right or wrong. In the next couple of episodes, I'll be talking about how to deal with behaviors that we don't want to see while we teach them the difference between right or wrong. But this is where we are ending the first part of our series today. And that, parents, is what Monkey See, Monkey Do is all about. Join me next week for an episode titled Great Expectations, where I will be talking about what to expect from children between birth and three years old. And when I say what to expect, I mean realistic expectations. And the following week, we will be talking about unrealistic expectations. I will see you next week. Hope you have a wonderful week. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to The Parenting. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions, feedback, or content suggestions, please email us at taren at 
gmail.com. Please remember to subscribe, 